Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? How are you? My goodness, it's been two months since I last recorded a podcast. Not that you'd know because I recorded so many. They kept you going every week, hopefully. But yes, I've made it through. I'm still alive. So that's good. That's good. Oh, my goodness. You won't believe what happened yesterday. So, it was rather a hot day and this poor delivery man turned up and had delivered boxes and he got back in his van. He was looking really hot. So I went to the door and I said, would you like an ice lolly? And he said, oh, I'd love one. So I went in the house. We've got this like selection pack. So first of all, I had to debate what's an appropriate ice lolly to give a delivery man. I don't know. Anyway, found a lemonade one, thought that was OK. And they're wrapped in plastic. Um, but I didn't want to get too close, obviously, being very COVID ner- nervous. So I proceeded to stand at a distance and try and throw it through his window, the window of his van. Um, It's fair to say that my first attempt didn't quite work. It was like it was like PE back at school. It all came back to me about how bad I was and why I never got chosen for any team. I I can't tell you how many attempts it took to get that lolly to the delivery man. Um, And I'm not quite sure what state it it was in. He he seemed to think it was quite amusing, but he did accelerate off quite quickly. So never mind. Anyway, oh, now I have to thank Dua in Australia for your wonderful review. Thank you so much. I never knew that if you're in a a different country, only the reviews put on Apple Podcasts show in that country. So doing Australia won't be able to see the ones left by uh, people listening in England and all around the world. So they, they go, who knew that? But thank you so much for your review. It means the world to me. It really does. Uh, so thank you very much. Now, we have got some great books covered this week. Honestly, there's quite a few, but they are They are brilliant. So let me read them out. We have Dead Ground by M.W. Craven. And M.W. Craven is coming on this show shortly. So just hold on for that. Fantastic. We've got Louise Candlish, her new book called The Heights. Um, Catherine Stedman's new book called The Disappearing Act. We've got The Anatomy of Desire by L.R. Dawn. My Best Friend's Secret by Emily Froude. Freud, 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 Philippa, Emily Freud. If I keep saying it, I might actually get it right. You see, uh, nothing's nothing's changed in the two months I've been gone. I still can't say words, can I? And finally, the Beresford by Will Carver. What a selection. You've got some really great books in there, I have I have to say. Um, now, I should say as well, do join us on the Quick Book Reviews um, Facebook group. You're welcome to join us there. And I'm now, from now on, I will let you know when I'm going to be interviewing an author. And so you can let me know privately if you want or on the, the post as well, if there are any questions you would like me to put to the author. And we had some great ones for Mike Craven. Thank you all for those. I just I selected three. Um, but great response. You just you are great, you guys. You really are. Oh, and now I've also had a question, a question from a listener, reader. I don't know. I don't know which to call you. I know I keep saying this. Obviously, you're readers because you read books, but you're listeners because you listen to the podcast anyway. From Ace, thank you so much. Um, and she asked, what is your opinion on buying a book you have already read and own because you loved it so so much you want it with a prettier cover well ace uh, yes 
I can confirm that I am exactly that person. It has to be a book that I have really, really loved. Um, and often I will pass a book on to somebody else, but I may say, I need this. The minute you have finished reading this book, I need it back. And if, yes, because you get some with lovely spray painted edges and all sorts of amazing covers now. Um, and so, yeah, I have I have done that, but only for a very few select books, I, I, I would say. So there you go. Do let me know if you've got any other questions. Um, so I think we need to, to get on straight away. Have I forgotten how to do this? Let's hope not. Anyway, Dead Ground, M.W. Craven. This is the next in the Tilly and Poe series. Um, I have talked about these books a lot. So if you haven't read them, berate yourself immediately and pick them up. I think you can start with Dead Ground if you want to. You don't have to go back. The first one's The Puppet Show. This is the fourth one, I believe. Um, you don't have to start with The Puppet Show. They're all amazing books. And there is a story that develops. But if you can get hold of Dead Ground, try it. And if you love it, I'm sure that you will. Then you can always go back and start again. So let's read, let's read the blurb on this one. Detective Sergeant Washington Poe is in court fighting eviction from his beloved and isolated Croft when he is summoned to a backstreet brothel in Carlisle where a man has been beaten to death with a baseball bat. Poe is confused. He hunts serial killers and this appears to be a straightforward murder by pimp. But his attendance was requested personally by the kind of people who prefer to remain in the shadows. As Poe and the socially awkward programmer Tilly Bradshaw delve deeper into the case, they are faced with seemingly unanswerable questions. Despite being heavily vetted for a high-profile job, why does nothing in the victim's background check out? Why was a small ornament left at the murder scene? And why did someone on the investigation team steal it? And what is the connection to a flawlessly executed bank heist three years earlier, a heist where nothing was taken? Now, I have to say, I didn't read that blurb. That's the first time I've actually read the blurb. You don't even need to read that. It, it's a crime book. And as I talk about in the interview as well, it's sort of a, a crime thriller. Um, it's it's exceptional. It's 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5, 100 out of 100. I think you're getting the general theme here. Oh, now I normally do first sentences. So I'm going to read the first sentence, but actually I'm not reading it from chapter one because I think that doesn't give you a flavour. I'm taking liberties. I'm going to allow myself to do that. So Chapter two, short chapter, but uh, a, a good start. Detective Sergeant Washington Poe usually hated attending court. There you go. I'm not telling you anything more. I think we should talk to Mike Craven now. So M.W. Craven, Mike Craven, author of Dead Ground. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Well, we're, I'm going to start with a really obvious question, but I, I have to. What gave you the idea for, for this particular book? This, this is an idea I've had for a, a, a long time, actually. Um, elements of it, uh, particularly yeah. the, the, um, the main motivation um, behind, behind the, um, the, the story. But after, I, I was going to do it as book two. That, that was my plan. Oh, right. But because of the motivations um, behind what was happening are sort of rooted in the past, as yeah. as was the puppet show, I thought I'll, I'll do something a bit more current. I didn't want to be like the Harlan Coben, because um, all Har Harlan Coben's um, standalones are sort of <laughs> something to do with family trauma in the past, aren't they? I know he was Harlan, I'm not the Harlan Coben, he's, I think he's an absolute genius. Um, so I, I, I wrote Black Summer um, instead, mm -hmm. and then when I was pitching, I wanted to do it for book three, and I pitched that to my editor, and she said, "Absolutely not." So it just sounds—it sounds like a thriller. There was too much of one side of it, and not enough of the sort of crime side of it. And but it wouldn't go away the idea, and I—I I, I was flicking through my short story file, just like notes for ideas, and I came across this um, idea I'd had for a, a short story, which I didn't know what, what was going to happen with it, about a robbery in a safety deposit box size um, where all the robbers have got James Bond masks on, they're not there to steal something, they're there to kill somebody and leave a ceramic wrap there. And then I, I just sort of combined them and I worked away to do it. And then I just, I didn't tell my editor that's what I was doing. I just sent it to her and she absolutely loved it. So that was, so that was the long story of how I came up with the idea 
But I think my army backgrounds give me the initial seed for. Um, and it's not a book about the army. It's it's still a Poe and Tilly crime book. Yeah. But yeah. Um, there, there are elements in it that um, I haven't talked about before. And I probably won't talk about it again now because I don't tend to repeat myself wherever. It's very interesting, though, because I felt like this was, um, it's not a thriller, but it's more of a move between the sort of crime and and, and thriller genres. Was it difficult to to balance those different remits or was it just a natural because of the storyline? I, I think it was, it was natural um, because that's just where it needed to go. The inclusion mm -hmm. of MI5, Paul having to work with an MI5 agent who he, he can't stand, um, <laughs> that was a sort of late idea. I just, I just appeared when I, when I was, because I want, I, I think Poe's always work, works at his best and he's certainly in, interesting to write when he's in conflict with somebody. <laughs> and there wasn't really anybody, because Steph Flynn has to sort of take a breather for this book and that's who he normally rubs up against. Mm. Um, I needed someone else. And it's always funny when you put him up against a strong woman. Um, so I included MI5. Now, that meant I needed to sort of invent a lot of MI5 stuff because obviously there's not a lot of stuff you can do for research on that. Um, so someone asked me at Harrogate this weekend, um, how did you do all your research for MI5? How did you find out? No, I just made it up. <laughs> That's what McKeron does. McKeron just makes up everything. I thought, well, I thought if he can do it, I, I can do it just not as well. Um, well, it's not like you're going to have MI5 contacting you saying, oh, well, it's not done that way, it's done this exactly, way. Yeah. You know, so and you can't go on like, one of those virtual tours of the office and things like that. So I just had yeah. to make up things that I thought were... I remember a John le Carre interview. He just meant in a casual throwaway comment, he said, oh, yeah, and you go in there and there's the, the lift stuck. Every, everyone just calls each other by the first name. There's no surnames used and the lifts don't have numbers on the on the lift, so you don't know which floor you're going to and all that type of stuff. So I, I remember that, and he said yeah. that years ago, and it was just something that stuck there. So I, I used that, so that's probably reasonably yeah. accurate. Or it was at some point, probably when he was a spy in the 1950s, <laughs> so whatever. But um, it's probably all key cards and, and, and things now. So I just took a, a, a wild guess at some of that stuff. So that was interesting, actually, but it, it did bring it into a sort of... Um, it it um, brought it a, a slightly different tone to it yeah. because of the spy mainly because of the spy stuff because the Poe, who Poe's working with I think and the, and the fact there's a lot of security at the conference and all that type of stuff yes I mean it's fascinating I, I believed every word of it I thought you'd got some in, inside knowledge there you've got these these very strong fantastic characters and then you've got this incredible plot do, do you have to give one the priority or is it just a balance between the two I'm 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 pretty much plot driven to be honest, but I, I made a decision when I was when I was starting this series that if a, if a character is there for any other reason than just to deliver like a, a barman for someone who's just basically pouring pearl pint or or tell you a sparkling water with no ice, um, <laughs> then the the need to be able to the need to be of interest enough to the reader that. Um, They'll remember them in a, in, a, in a if I mention them again in a few books time. So I, I always try to flesh them out as if they were real characters with their own backstories and motivations. So Alistair Locke, and when I started to write him, I thought well, he's far more interesting than I originally thought. And I, it, he was such a fun character to write with just his mannerisms and, and the way he sort of always seems to have a twinkle in his eye because he's always one step ahead of everyone, including Poe for most of the book. Um, so he got a bigger role because of that, because he was more interesting, right? Bugger Rumble, the um, street entertainer. Yeah. As soon as I wrote him, I thought, well, I want him back in a in a in a in a book. Um, and he's he is actually he's in, he's in post six. I've just written written him into post six. He's he's got a new act. Um. So yeah, there's there's things like that. So I, I don't set out to make a character driven story, but I also I I also make out make sure that every character is fully fully fleshed out. Mm. You mentioned about Tillian not having uh, ice cubes. Yes, she's put me off having ice cubes <laughs> in my drink as well. Uh, yes, I, was it was it was it in Dead Ground I mentioned about the ice cubes? I can't, or was it a different? I think it might have been. She, it was in Dead Ground as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I, I know I'd mentioned it twice in one book, because sort of po- and that was a sort of Easter egg, a little present to the fans because they know they already knew yeah. what he was going to say about do, do you want ice in your drink? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Now loyalty, it it seems to to be in bucket loads. It's something that's really crucial in the story. Um, loyalty to Poe, loyalty to Tilly as as well, and and to what's right. Yeah, is that something that's you know very close to your heart? I, I mean, I'd like to think so, but uh, and I, I was in the army for, for for twelve years, and obviously that it, it's it, that's a, a quite a bit. Of, um, it, it's a very tight knit community, uh, and I'm still in touch with a lot of people. Um, I don't see them, but I still keep I, I still keep in touch with them. I remember Marmy days very, very fondly. So I like, I like to think that's a sort of an ingrained part of me. But ultimately, it's just Poe, he's on a quest for the truth. I mean, and that's the only thing, particularly, I mean, if you, if you think about the puppet show, it was his quest for the truth. And he didn't really care who he stepped on mm. to get to the truth, because he really he didn't really have anyone in his life that he was that bothered about. Um, so he was using Tilly at the start of this book. She was just a resource that he was using. Now, obviously, they're very, very good friends and yeah. they've got each other's back. So a lot of time. And because at the start of the puppy show, he was constantly looking out for her and sticking up for her. And then towards the end, she was like crucial to him actually being alive. Yeah. Um, but now there's a bit of both. They'll just watch out for each other um, all the time. And obviously, she nags him about his diet, which is. <laughs> she's there when he when he um when when he when he needs her and uh and likewise so that that loyalty thing is is important at the end of the curator i think that was probably the the the, the time when Poe's had to um have a real think about what's important here because obviously without going into what happened at the end of the creator yeah. he had a very very serious decision to make um and ultimately, it was his loyalty to Flynn that went out rather than justice. He basically he he, um, he, he ignored something and then basically just did something which some people didn't like. That actually, some people said um, they thought it was uh, they thought he, sh- he should have made the the, the other decision. Um, it's a bit weird talking about something like this. Yeah, well, we, like, yeah. column A, something from column B. So yeah, so I mean, I mean that bit that was very much his loyalty. And he knows it's a decision that at some point is going to come back and bite him. And I know that because I'm, I'm fully intending to, to write that, that arc of, the, of his actions at the end of the career. Um, so it'll probably after his um, issue with his mother's sorted out, which will probably be in book eight, I think. Yes. Well, but yes, I won't say what what happens in Dead Ground, but that there's another step on, on, on the path. You're there getting are, a there... bit closer, isn't it? Yes, there are often discussions about Team Tilly and Team Poe and who's on which team. And it, it seemed to me that Team Tilly was often winning. But in this book, uh, it felt as if it 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 raised Poe, actually. I didn't know, were you deliberately trying to get more people onto Team Poe? With no, I mean, I, you see, because that, that came out of um, that stupid vampire werewolf, werewolf film, didn't it? Um, they're on the same side. Poe and Tilly are on the same side. It should be Team P- Tilly and Poe versus <laughs> Team Flynn or whatever. I always I just put in, I put Team Edgar. Um, I, it, it's funny, actually, because the way people perceive books is so different. I thought this was a book that Tilly had a... The best line she's had in all the books so far. I thought they all belong to Tilly. I mean, Poe has his moments, because he's getting grumpier. Um, <laughs> but my agent said, this is a Tilly book. But a lot of people have seen it the other way. This Antilles doesn't seem to be in it as much in 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 this one. So it's I don't know. It's just the way that people are. Yeah, I think sometimes it depends what type of mood you're in when you're reading and, and all sorts. Yes, I think they're they're both in it equally. It's just I, I don't know. Poe did more to sort of warm the cockles of my heart this time. He just, there there was more, he was even more protective about Tilly, more understanding about her. I I don't, I don't know, but Tilly, I just, I just love, I love the way, you know, when she arrives somewhere and eventually someone will say, well, you know, obviously I, I, I can't give you the, the Wi-Fi password and, you know, she's already in, she's already got, got in there. Yeah. There's there's a bit in, um, I've got, I've got two two 
Tillian Poe books coming out next year. I can't tell you about one wooden forks. The news is embargoed until next year. Um, but there's a line where Tilly has to examine someone's iPad. And it's a it's a case that the um it takes place in Bristol, I think. Um and the 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 cop says eventually Poe talks her into giving Tilly the iPad and Tilly um takes it. And the cop says, but you won't know his password. And then the next line is, after Poe and Tilly had stopped laughing, <laughs> yeah. Poe says, Tilly doesn't believe in other people's passwords, which is exactly which is exactly it. Is. It's just one of those things. I don't even know this is technically possible. I'm, I'm sure it is at some level. Frederick Forsyth wrote something very similar. Um, a book, might be in The Fox, about a, a, um, this like teenage hacker who was so, so he was so dangerous basically that um, the Russians yeah. were trying to kill him and the UK security services were using them to hack all these Russian things. It was an interesting book, but he was doing the same thing. I, I he had this like computer whiz who the usual rules don't apply that that that, that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's fun and it, and it's it, it's a sort of, I'll probably do it at least once a book just because I think readers. Yeah. We, we, we just yeah. enjoy just the sort of Tilly just sort of being dismissive of um, all the things that we that we um, sort of need to keep our privacy secure. Again, for the right reasons, she's yeah, 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 absolutely. She's not doing it for selfish reasons. Do you? I know you can't say what it is, but do you know her future? Yeah, um, I, I've just finished the Mercy Chair, which is going to be the six pub books that'll be out in. Either 2023 or 2024, there might be a two-year gap between Poe books, depending on what my publisher decides. Because I, I wrote a standalone years ago, way before Poe and Tilly, and my publisher has bought it and they want to put it out um, in between books five and six. But I, I don't want to. I'm, 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 I'm trying to convince them that's maybe not the way forward. But ultimately, it's their decision. Um, so at the end of that book, something happens to Poe and Tilly. Which I don't particularly want to go into, but um, so that that sort of sets up a new little mini arc. Um, I mean, Poe's Poe's got a girlfriend; he's engaged, and it's not Tilly, so people don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Tilly's very excited and and things, so that's going to be a little a little arc over over um, over three books. It'll be four actually, because it'll probably finish in book eight. Um, so yeah, I I, I know that. The characters of Poe and Tilly will always be in the books. Everyone else is fair game as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Oh, apart from the dog, go and kill the dog. Um, yes. Just because that's just career suicide. But <laughs> uh, other than that, and I give a little warning of that in the curator, that not everyone's not bulletproof. Um, mm. And next year, Tilly gets her own short story, I think, because there was a Waterstone special edition this year with a short story in the back. Um, and that was a, a real, that was a, a big success. That was, um, they sold thousands of copies. So I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to do another um, short story for Waterstones. And it's going to be a, a Tilly standalone. You've got, uh, you've got two series, of course. You've got the Averson Fluke and Washington Poe. Do you get an idea, and then you have to debate which series gets it, or? It does does Poe get get all your gems at the moment? Poe gets them all, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reason that my publisher doesn't want any more flute books at the minute, because um, oh. the Poe books are doing so well and they're making yeah. so much money. That why why would they want me taking a year off Poe to do a, another flute book? If I get the time, I I might write at least one more book in the fluke series. I mentioned fluke in Dead Ground. Um, mm. And, I, and Steel Eye Stan, the, the one-eyed bouncer, is obviously in Dead Ground. Um, and he was a he was a character in Fluke. So the, the two, they they aren't. It isn't two separate Cumbrians I'm writing about. It's a Cumbria where they both exist. Um, and I might write a, a short story where they work together. But for me to do that, I've got to get Fluke out of prison first. So I've got to finish that little yeah. little bit. And now I'm going to do it. It's just a matter of finding the time, and then my publisher agreeing to. Yeah. To, to publish it i mean in the in the post series it's for me it's a sort of the blend of humor as well it's it's never overplayed but it 
they are there is this humor in do you have to dial it up in when you're editing it or I dial it down um, yeah some of the things I've had in are absolutely outrageous and then my editor will sometimes say that's a bit too much that there was a scene in Black Summer actually in the restaurant Remember that when Poe and Tilly are having a Michelin starred meal, like one of those taster courses, taster yeah. menus. Yeah. Um, which she said, no, this is just too much. It's um and she was sort of, well, I thought, well, either right or wrong, but that's obviously how you see it, and you're you're a reader, so I'll dial it down. Um and the, the scene where Poe and Tilly are talking about Muggle Quidditch in Dead yes. that's That's been a scene I've written for a, a while. That's been in about three different books and has been taken out for whatever. It, it was at least one for word count, one because it came too late in the book and it just didn't fit the tone. Because um, obviously they, they go through different phases. There's normally a high-impact opening. And then there's a bit of a funny scene usually with Poe and Tillian when I'm introducing them. And it was the court case this time. Um, in, in The Botanist, it'll be a bit... It'll be a bit I think people will enjoy The Botanist because... Um, Steph, Steph Flynn and Poe are on a stakeout and Tilly's managed to join them. So she's sorted out the food for the stakeout and Poe's <laughs> not happy at all. But her first line in, in, in The Botanist next year is, Poe, why would somebody want to buy my toenails? Which is a good, which is as good a way of, which, which was fun. That was, a, that was a fun, that was a fun thing. Um, so yeah, the, the humour, I mean, just because I, I, I like books that have humour in, so... Um, but I don't want to write a comic crime caper because that's not the yeah. book I would want to write. And, and although I do like the sort of early Chris Brookmeyers and the Carl Hyacinth books, in fact, I love them, to be honest, um, that I don't want to particularly write them. I just want to carry on doing them. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Now, we have some questions from the lovely uh, Quick Book Reviews Facebook group. Okay. Um, so I've chosen a few of them to ask. For, the first one is from Derek. And Hello, Derek. he says this. A local store now does a Washington Poe blend of coffee, which is delicious. How did that come about? And did you have to test lots before it was agreed? <laughs> uh, no, the, do you know, I, I, I had very little to do with that. They contacted my, the, the, the store that, it's, it's John Watts in, in Cumbria. Um, and they've been coffee roasters since the 1800s. I think. And my wife got me a coffee subscription um, for a birthday ages ago and you, you get like a bag of coffee every month and it's a different thing and it has a bit of paper that tells you all about its origin yeah. and, and stuff um, so they, she, she, she's been in contact with them when the subscription's due for renewal and, and stuff and I have mentioned this shop in a flute book and possibly a poe book as well I can't remember um, I think it was Black Summer actually I mentioned this shop because, and that was only because the shop I did mention closed down between writing the book and the book coming out so I had to quickly change change where they were going for a brew somewhere so out the blue Joanne just said oh, I just had an email from John Watts um, they want to do a Washington Poe blender coffee so that's how it started they just approached me out the blue yeah. they said if you're agreeable we'll drop off the blend that we're thinking of this week you can have your subscription for free from now on oh wow um, and it just went from there, which and it, it was because I, I I shared it with my publicist in, uh, in market and they said, well, this is absolutely great, it really is, and it's it, it, I, I suspect they'll my publishers they'll, they'll get in touch with them towards the end of the year. But I got an email just last week. I think it might have been Harrogate actually, so it's it's entirely possible I've just invented this whole thing because Harrogate was a bit messy. But they're doing hampers at Christmas, Poe and Tilly hampers at Christmas. There's going to be the Poe coffee is going to be back, but there's also going to be Tilly tea. So, oh, great. Um, and there'll be a book in the hamper. And um, I, I don't know the details because they just said, can, can we have some um, books? And so I just put them straight onto my publisher because they deal, they deal with all that. Um, so that'll be a bit fun as well. So, yeah, they contacted me out of the blue. I, it was nothing to do with I me. Mean, the same with the, the guy who does the... Washington Poe Tours, the London, there's a London tour operator that you can have a sort of a, a, um, walk in the footsteps of Washington Poe, I think it's called. Um, that just came out of the blue, he just contacted me and, and things, it's just, it's weird. But it is a very nice coffee, I mean, it really is. Fantastic, great. Well, uh, Claire says, how many words do you write a day? Uh, I set a target of a thousand and I usually smash that. Um 
the the Mercy Chair, which is the one I've just I've just written, that ended up about one hundred and ten thousand, and I'll get it down to about ninety eight, something like that. I think when I've I'm editing it now, the first edit, I always overwrite because all my ideas go into it, then I whittle it down what works what works best. Then I, I, and I often take a lot out. Um, and that took about five months to, to write from start to finish because the other things on, I had a lot of short stories and other commitments and, and things. And usually there's festivals and things, but I, I aim for at least a thousand a day. And I don't leave my desk until I've written a thousand. Oh, right. Gosh, you're that strict with yourself then. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, uh, another question from Derek. <laughs> Music is clearly important to you and features in the books. Any plans for a Spotify playlist for readers? If I had the technical skills to do that, I would. I, I would. Um, I might go at some point. Actually, I might get someone to help me because it, it's quite a cool idea. I think because uh, I've listened to the Harry Bosch jazz playlist on on, on Spotify. So I mean, I know it is done, and I'm sure other authors have playlists yeah. as well. I'm just not sure anyone would want to listen to the things I like to listen to because Poe listens to the same things I like. And it's a bit weird actually because I talk about Poe going to certain gigs and things. Um, even though I know it, it couldn't have happened because I'm I'm 10 years old. In my head, I'm 10 years old than Post, so therefore he's 10 years younger than me. And therefore he'd have been like three when I was 13. And so when I was going to see, um, Interesting. Uh, I don't know, like the Toy Dolls or something at, um, at the Mayfair in Newcastle. Poe couldn't have been there because we were in too young. By the time he was old enough, Mayfair had been demolished and all that type of stuff. But um, I'm going to keep writing it that way because it's just easier for me to remember. It's easy. I mean, a lot of, the, a lot of what I write... Is I put a lot of myself into not because I'm a narcissist, although I am. It's just it's easier to remember. It's easier to remember what clothes I wear and what music I like, what car, what car I drive. All the all these types of things. Um, it's so it's just a lot of it is like that. I mean, and also there's not many, there's a lot of detectives like jazz, um, and I think I mentioned it in this book. Poe likes jazz, but not as much as he likes punk. Um, and obviously Mark Billingham's um, Tom Thorne is a big country and western yeah. fan. And there's probably others, but I, I don't know that there's any punk detectives out there. Now, maybe there is. I haven't read every single crime writer writing, writing in the UK, so maybe there probably is, or almost certainly is. <laughs> Can we just talk about when you first got your break in publishing? Mm-hmm. How, how did that come about? Because it seems you're such a proficient author you got so many brilliant books out was it hard for you to get that first book published or did it just happen it, it sort of just happened actually um you know, I was shortlisted the David Dagger in 2013 I'd written 3,000 words because that's all you had to write um, and an agent asked for the manuscript which I hastily put together and then she roundly rejected it because it was absolutely awful um, it was about 150,000 words long. So, I mean, that's, that's a big book. I mean, that's yeah. sort of like um, Game of Thrones big. I mean, it's sort of about that big. Um, but she gave me very, very good feedback. So I, re- I rewrote it. And in 2014, I went to a writing conference and I met a publisher there who said, can I see it? Because he, because of the debut dagger shortlist, he said, can I see it when it's finished? So I sent it to him and he offered me a publishing contract straight away. So it was picked up by the first publisher I sent it to. Um, the next year at the same writing conference, I met my agent and I was able to give him a copy of the book because the book was out the year after I met the publisher. And I said, oh, you, know, if you, you might like this. And he read it and he said, I've really enjoyed it. Can you send me whatever you've got next? So I did. And he signed me on the basis of that. So they were the original fluke books. Um, not the ones that I see on your shelf. They, well, I usually do. You actually look inside a ping pong ball at the minute. <laughs> so uh, I um so David when he signed me he said we need to either rewrite Body Breaker as a as the start of a new series. In fact, he actually said rewrite it as the start of a new series. And I hummed and hard over Christmas and I, I came back and I said, look, it'll be easier for me just to write a brand new series from scratch. Um, which is why you've got Poe and Tilly instead of um Fluke and Towler. And, and part of Teddy came about because I thought I can't write about a grumpy cop and his psychotic para friend. So I'll have to go the opposite. So I had this like sweet, naive <laughs> girl. Um, so that's how that came about. And David sold it to Little Brown. Didn't sell it to the, I, I don't think every publisher wanted it. 
Um, but he sold it to Little Bram, and it sort of it did okay. That when it was first out, it didn't break any 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 sales records. But the following year, it was short it was shortlisted for the Gold Dagger, and it won the Gold Dagger. Mm. Um, so that's when things started to. Um, and I, a lot of it, it's not so much the reading public; it's your publisher as well, because they've mm. only got so much resources that have been put, and they have to sort of choose which result, which authors to put the. I mean, everyone, every author gets a standard sort of package of marketing and publicity and and, and stuff like that because they don't know what's going to sell initially. But once yeah. you've once you've shown potential or you've won an award or you're showing that sales above a certain level, then they'll start pumping more resources into you. So that's a, so that's what's happening at the minute because each book is outselling the previous book. And obviously, Dead Ground was a Sunday Times bestseller, and under the previous books, so we're we're going up on the right trajectory so things will probably kick up kick on a bit more from yeah. now so it was i don't know I, mean, I, I honestly think i've been with a small publisher to start with helped because you're used to doing your own publicity and and stuff because yeah. with the best will in the world and marketing and sorry marketing is fairly straightforward i think it's a complex thing but it's you're basically paying for stuff whereas publicity you need contacts with the best will in the world Beth, my publicist, cannot have all the local contacts in Cumbria because she's not from Cumbria. So I, I always do all my local... I contact people that I knew from when I was pumping out uh, Boreal Gown and, and Body Breaker. And then because I was doing so well, my publisher wanted to buy the flute books off my previous publisher, which they did, and they repackaged them into, and, into a, a far nicer thing. And I re-edited them, actually, because um, they were overwritten. Um, so they're the ones that I see on your on your shelves with nice yes. sort of little Cumbrian covers because the the covers that Caffeine yeah. Night out were, were were a bit different. Um, you know, I'm very grateful for Caffeine Nights for sort of what they did. And when I said I've been signed by Little Brown, there was no complaining. Um, I mean, there was no nothing they could do. I, they didn't have an option. No, but it was done well. Yeah. No. And so yeah, it was. Um, so. It it, I, it it hasn't been instant success this series, but it's been um, a steady pro- progression, which I, I think is what you want. Actually, um, if I, if I had the choice of, I've never had this choice, but I, I imagine if I had the choice, knowing what I know now of having the sort of instant success because of a flashy marketing campaign, then you are very much relying on on people having read the book and enjoyed it enough to buy the second one, because a lot of a lot of the big marketing campaigns sell the first book and then the second book doesn't do as well because people aren't that bothered about coming back. Mm. Whereas on, on, the, on the sort of gradual rise that I've had, it's because people are returning to the series and telling people about the series. And then you get new readers every book anyway. And then they go back and buy your back wrist and, yeah. and stuff. So it's a yeah. series that's grown because people are enjoying it rather than because any flashy campaigns. Um, so it's good. It, it's very good like that, but it certainly wasn't instant. But it hasn't... It hasn't we haven't really had any hiccups along the way either. So, I guess just as loyalty is important in in the books, it, you've got that from readers as well. You've built that up. Yeah, I, and I, I always engage with readers as well, and that's again, I think, um, a sort of legacy of my cafe nights days because only had three. Um, we all came from my wedding, <laughs> not really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so when someone contacts me on Twitter, I always respond on Facebook. Yeah. I'm, I'll, if I'm in if I'm in any group and I'm tagged, I'll respond. And I'm not in every group on Facebook, so sometimes I, I miss things. But I mean, that's not because I'm ignoring them; just because I've missed them. So, um, and yeah, I do have a very loyal readership, and they do shout about my books um, far and wide. And I've got readers all over the world now in English. I had a, um, an email from someone in Malaysia the other day, just saying that the book had arrived. Because you have to import it from the UK because I've for whatever reasons. And I'm in tw- I've been translated into 21 languages now, which is pretty cool as well. Um so yeah, and it's it's so yeah, I can't complain. Well, I'm not complaining, it's it's it, it's a lot of fun. I always used to record these podcasts by my lovely bookshelves, but the sound quality isn't as good. So I have to sit <laughs> in this recording booth of all yes, duvets <laughs> and pillows to get the sound. Quality, so that's that's what that's about. Um, last question: What surprises you most about the publishing world? The the difference between the small publisher 
that I was with initially, which is a one-man band, and Little Brown is is it's almost incomparable, incomparable. Um, the 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 chief uh, the managing director is a fellow called Charlie King, and um, he was doing like a town hall type thing during COVID. They're doing like a Zoom thing every Friday, and he said I got copied into an email. Um, because um, I'd been mentioning it because about my Sunday Times things, and I'd sent an email back to him when he congratulated me. I was saying, "Well, thank you. It was it was a team effort because it is a team effort." Mm. And he said about the town where he said there was there was uh, well over a hundred had um, tuned in or, or had logged in to, to the town hall, and I thought, "Well, so that's not even all their staff." So mm. they occupy a whole yeah. floor in this London thing. So there's a lot. I mean, and the when I was um, when I got on the Times list, the amount of people who I didn't know who had contacted me, who were part, who had worked on the book at some level, because I, I I know my editor, and I know my line editor, and I know my copy editor, I know my desk editor, and I know my publicist, and I know the people I work in marketing. I don't know anyone from sales. I don't know anyone in production. I don't know anyone in all these other areas that all have something to do with the with the book. Um, so that's what surprised me. The amount of people working in the background. So there's there's mm-hmm. like key account managers who you, who you never hear of because they're they're the ones actually who look after Waterstones, for example, the Waterstones yeah. accounts. Um, although I, she's actually called Katrina, I do know her this time because um, we, we worked on the special edition for, for Waterstones together. But ordinarily, I would have had I wouldn't have had any dealings with yeah, Katrina because I, I wouldn't have had any call to. So that's what surprised me. It's just the sheer scale. Of it, and it, and it's why I, I saw the the biggest surprise, which sort of feeds into this, is why they needed an eighteen month lead in for each title. Um, so I submit it. I'm contracted to submit it eighteen months ahead of publication, because it goes through so many processes. The, the only a year now, because the editing process doesn't take so long, because I'm getting tighter and leaner, so it doesn't need as much yeah. work. Um, so I'm contracted to deliver the Mercy Chair by June next year, but we'll deliver it. I'll be delivering it at the same time I usually do because it's, it's ready now. Well, it'll be ready in about two months actually, um, but I've, it's it's written now, so I'm, I'm way ahead of schedule anyway. W- where I would normally be if it was yeah. if I had the 18 months. Um, so yeah, that's, it's just the sheer scale of it mm. and the fact that everyone's so so nice. But that's not a surprise really because they're all people who read. People who read books yeah. are generally nice people um, because they think about things because reading is about thinking ultimately, isn't it? Yes. Well, we love reading and we love reading your book. So, uh, Mike, M.W. Craven, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that was brilliant. Lo- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Love talking to authors. Love hearing about the background to a story and the characters. And for fans of Tilly and Poe, it sounds like there's lots more to come, which is great. So moving on from Dead Ground, we now come to The Heights by Louise Candlish. Now, Louise has been on the podcast as well, super author, really good um, individual one-off thrillers. And uh, this one, well, let me tell you the blurb for this. He thinks he's safe up there. Can he ever be safe from you? The Heights is a tall, slender apartment building among the warehouses of Tower Bridge. Its roof terrace so discreet you wouldn't know it existed if you weren't standing at the window of the flat directly opposite. But you are. And that's when you see a man up there, a man you'd recognise anywhere. He's older now and his appearance has subtly changed. But it's definitely him, which makes no sense at all since you know he has been dead for over two years. You know this for a fact because you're the one who killed him. Oh, that's very good, isn't it? That is very good. Let's let's grab the first sentence. Um, uh, now, let's go to chapter one. Yes. OK, here we go. Are you ready for this? Kieran Watts has been dead for over two years when I see him standing on the roof of a building in Shad Thames. Um, this is a superb book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's nice sometimes to read a one-off book um, because you can just go to it and get sucked in and drawn into the story. It's It makes you feel, I'm not giving, going to give anything away, but certainly as a parent, it makes you think about friends that your children have and the implications of that. You've got to read it to find out what, what, what I'm talking about. It's good. It's... Um, it's tightly written. It delivers. It's got the twists and turns. I mean, we know Louise is, is talented and this is just another example of that. So if you like Louise Candlish's books, you will love this one. Um, go go and read it immediately. Oh, and it is out this Thursday. So the 5th of August, it is out this Thursday. And I should say Dead Ground by Mike Craven, the book I previously was talking about, is already out now. In fact, that one came out a little while ago. Dead Ground came out on the 3rd of June. So that has been out a little bit longer. Louise Candlish, The Heights, is out this Thursday. Fabulous book. And now we come to another fabulous book. So Catherine Steadman has written a few, something in the water, you'll probably uh, remember. Um, and the blurb for this is as follows. She's missing. British actor Maya Elliott is in L.A. for pilot season. This is her big chance to make it in Hollywood and she's ready to do whatever it takes. At an audition, she meets Emily and what starts as a favour takes a dark turn when Emily goes missing and Mia is the last person to see her. But did she ever really exist? Then a woman turns up claiming to be Emily, but she is nothing like Mia remembers. Why would someone pretend to be Emily? Starting to question her own sanity, she goes on a desperate and dangerous search for answers, knowing something is very, very wrong. In an industry where everything is about creating illusions, how do you know what is real and how much would you risk to find out? Uh, well, you would risk a lot to read this because it's brilliant. This one was published on the 24th of June, so that's been out a while. Um, it's I thought it was great. I thought it was a superb book. I really enjoyed it. Um, it made me think about Hollywood and all that's involved there. Um, there's a sort of a sense of loneliness at times and who do you trust and what's real and what isn't. It's it's great. It's another it's another winner. We're having lots of winners. Now the next one. Hmm. Oh, hang on. I didn't read the first sentence, did I? And I know I've had loads of messages from you saying, love the first sentence, love the first sentence. Um, so let me see. Yes. OK, we're not. Well, I'm going to read you two first sentences because the first sentence of the prologue and chapter one are so good. So the prologue's first sentence is this. Have you ever asked yourself what kind of story the story of your life is? Now, you see, I like that very much. That really made me sit and think. Um, and then the first sentence of the first chapter. Sometimes, no matter how hard you try, you just can't disappear. 
Oh, that's very good. Good book. Excellent book. So now we come on to The Anatomy of Desire by L.R. Dawn. L.R. Dawn is actually two people uh, writing together. Um, this is, I've got something to say about this book. Okay, here's the blurb. With followers numbering in the hundreds of thousands, a glamorous circle of friends and a famous boyfriend, the life that fitness influencer Cleo Ray has always wanted seems to be within, within her grasp. But Cleo's dream come true quickly becomes a nightmare when she finds herself implicated in the death of a young woman. The victim was last seen renting a canoe with Cleo just hours before her lifeless body was pulled from the peaceful waters of a serene mountain lake. With Cleo nowhere to be found, the authorities begin to suspect foul play and a warrant is issued for Cleo's arrest. When word gets out, Cleo is going viral, but for all the wrong reasons. Charged with murder, this social media star's biggest platform is no longer Instagram. It's the witness stand. Now, this was published 22nd of July. Um, let's do the first... Um, uh, well, see, this is difficult because what this is, and it's brilliant. Okay, I should say it's brilliant. This book is brilliant. It had me page turning and reading and not willing to put the, the book down because it's done almost as, as a series of interviews as if it was a podcast, but very short. So someone might say one sentence and then it goes to another person and you might get a paragraph from them or a page or a very short sentence so it alternates so it's very easy to read and get into and you know who's talking and it cuts out a lot of the of the fat of a book so what you get is what you need to read um so the first sentence that is in the book is is Cleo Ray um yeah, OK, I'll read this one out. Uh, I taped this quote above my sink. What does it matter if an influencer gains all the followers in the world only to lose her soul? And um, for me, it was super because I loved, as I say, I love the way it was set out. It had me gripped. My one issue is, and it would have been a 10 out of 10 if it hadn't been for this, is that I expected there to be a twist at the end and there wasn't. Um, now, this isn't uh, a nag about the book. This is about me. It showed me, uh, and because there wasn't a twist at the end, I was disappointed. And it showed me that I have become dependent on twists. And so I read the book expecting there to be a twist. So what I would say is get this book because you will love it. It's a good nine out of ten. Um, and know that there isn't a twist at the end. And I think you will love it even more. It's so well written. Um, the plot is great. It's so interesting how it how it develops. But there isn't this twist or a reveal at the end. Or certainly there wasn't that that I felt there to be. Um, so at, when I finished it, I was a bit disappointed. And that's such a shame because it is a great book. And, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're just expecting every book to have a twist and a, a reveal. So for me as well, it's been a real eye opener in terms of how I read a book and how I judge it in that I'm reading it and thinking, oh, gosh, what's going to be the twist? What's going to be the reveal? And you shouldn't always read a book like that. So that's my fault. And that's the lesson learned. So read it and love it but know that there isn't this big twist, twisty, reveal-y thing at the end. Um, it, but it's just, it's a, it's a good book. It's done in a different way. You know, if you like The Appeal by Janice um, Hallett, that's very popular at the moment, that's written principally as a series of emails, in a way this is like it, but different. Um, but it certainly draws you in and helps you read and, and keep the pace going. So it's a great book and shame on me. I need to hang my head in shame about that book. Now, we've got two more books to go and then I can send you on your way for today. So the next book, this is great, this one, My Best Friend's Secret by Emily Freud. Um, Let's do the blurb first. Kate Sullivan has a beautiful home, a job she loves and a handsome fiancé, all she's ever dreamed of since getting sober and painstakingly piercing her life back together. But a chance encounter with her old best friend Becky threatens Kate's newfound and fragile happiness. She remembers nothing of their last drunken night out, the night Becky broke off their friendship without warning or explanation. 
With Becky back in her life, Kate is desperate to make amends for her past. For the closure she craves, Kate needs to know what she did that ruined everything. But what if the truth is worse than Kate could have imagined? Um, I thought it was a brilliant book. It's one that completely sucked me in and I just had to read and read and read it. It was an easy read in that you're, you know exactly where you are and what's going on. But obviously... It's a, a sort of a dark, sinister read because you know something awful happened and that it's affecting these lies, but you don't know what it was and it delivers. It's got the twists and the turns. It's very interesting in terms of the addiction element. Um, I, it, clearly, it's been written very honestly and it, it taught me a lot as well. Um, so for all those reasons, it's it's a great book. My Best Friend's Secret, Emily Freud. Excellent. Very good. Oh, now, when did that come out? 22nd of July. So it's very new, um, but it's out in paperback now. So, yes, very good. OK, this is the very first sentence of My Best Friend's Secret by Emily Freud. A thin, piercing noise is all she can hear as her eyes flutter over the message. Yes, there you go. Very, very good. Now, so let's go on to Will Carver, The Beresford. This book is out, it was published the same day, the 22nd of July, in paperback. Okay, are you sitting comfortably? This is not a book for children, that's for sure. Just outside the city, any city, every city, is a grand, spacious but affordable apartment building called the Beresford. There's a routine at the Beresford. For Mrs May, every day's the same. Cup of cold black coffee in the morning, pruning roses, checking on her tenants, wine, prayer and an afternoon nap. She never leaves the building. Abe Schwartz also lives at the Beresford. His neighbour, Scythe, no longer does because Abe just killed him. In exactly 60 seconds, Blair Conroy will ring the doorbell to her new home and Abe will answer the door. They will become friends, perhaps lovers. And when the time comes for one of them to die... As is always the case at the Beresford, there will be 60 seconds to move the body before the next unknowing soul arrives at the door. Because nothing changes at the Beresford until the doorbell rings. This is a great book. Now, OK, if you want sort of ABC books, uh, Jack and Jill Guide to Crimes and Thrillers, then this isn't for you. This is sort of crime, horror. It's almost funny in some ways because it's so dark um, and brutal if you if you like sort of quirkiness you will love this book it delivers it in spades I mean Will Carver I, I don't I don't know what he uh, experiences in his life to come up with these things um, but he just keeps pulling it out of the bag writing really um, fresh um, books you know his ideas are fresh the writing is fresh it's very vivid um it's to the point it's, it's just great love it um so yeah, you have to like a, a book that's slightly different and be happy to have a bit of horror in there I can't believe I'm enjoying horror now it's but uh, this isn't this is Philippa palatable horror so it, it's not uh, it's not like some of the books but uh, it says leave your soul at the door yes now first sentence I should read that for you let's go part one your daughter brings home Abe Schwartz and you're pleased oh yes it sets it out try it see what you think it's very different um and uh and it's just it delivers delivers a, a different great read with gusto so there we go so the books we've covered today are dead ground by mw craven and we spoke to mike as well uh, then the heights by louise candlish uh, the disappearing act by Catherine stedman the anatomy of desire by ella dawn my best friend's secret by Elemy freud and the beresford by will carver hopefully you've got lots of books to add to your reading list there um, I can't wait to hear what you think. Come and join us on the Facebook group. If you can leave me a review, I'd be very, very grateful on the old Apple iTunes. And just, uh, I'll see you next week. Oh my goodness, we have got a great author interview. Very excited. Some great books to talk to you about. And uh, I just can't, just can't wait. So look after yourselves 
and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.